Welcome to The How of Business with Henry Lopez and David Begin, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here are your hosts. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez, and my guest today is Melva Robertson. Melva, welcome to the show. Thank you. Excited to be here. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this conversation. We're going to chat about Melva's personal journey, how she got to where she is today. And then her specialty now is on personal branding in part. And so she's going to share her insights, her tips, her experiences on building a personal brand. If you want to receive more information about the Howa business, including the links to the show notes page for this episode, just text the word biz, B-I-Z, to 31996. So Melba Robertson is an experienced publicist, a writer, a public relations professional, and a speaker. And throughout her career, she has generated positive media campaigns on a local, national, and even international level for both large organizations as well as individual clients. She's worked with clients ranging from professional athletes, authors, designers, magazine editors, and also nonprofits. Melba has authored chapters in a couple of different books, but recently she released her debut book, which is available on Amazon, titled Congratulations, it's a brand, the entrepreneur's guide to birthing the brand, identifying the target audience, and increasing visibility. She's also the founder of the Own Your Own movement. We'll chat about what that is, but it consists of entrepreneurship and branding summits, as well as the, she's also the founder of the Own Your Own TV show. Melva lives in Marietta, Georgia. So once again, Melva Robertson, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you again. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Looking forward to this conversation. So you studied, if I've got it right, uh, mass media communications and then got a master's in professional writing in school. Is that right? That is correct. Yes. So, so what was the thought? What did you want to be when you grew up? Well, I always wanted to be a broadcast journalist. Ah, From the time I was very young, my best friend at the time and I had cassette players, which I guess I'm dating myself, (laughs) but (laughs) we actually have had cassette players. We would put the cassette tapes in and we would record radio shows and our stuffed animals and our friends would be our guests on the show. So I've always known that I wanted to do something involving media and broadcast. And so when I went to college, undergraduate, Um, at Morris Brown College in Atlanta, Georgia. I pursued my mass media communications degree and graduated knowing that I was going to be a broadcast journalist. That's amazing. Where where do you think that came from that? Because it sounds like early on, did you, was there a particular uh, show personality that you thought of that you wanted to be like? Where, Where did this come from, do you think? Oh, absolutely. In Atlanta, you know the name Monica Kaufman. Sure. She is now she's retired. And so she's a radio personality. But for years, she was the news anchor in Atlanta. And everyone knew Monica. Everyone wanted to be Monica. Everyone wanted to meet Monica. And and I was, you know, a little kid thinking, I want to do that. I also like talking. I love performing. And so communication has just always been something that I naturally you know, gravitated towards in any capacity. And so I think when I realized, hey, I can actually do that one day, I think that's what sparked it. It was seeing her on the news. That's great. 
All right, so out of college then, what, what did you do? Tell me about your early career. So I graduated from college and I actually had a job the very next month working at Grady Health System, which is a public hospital, um, the one of the largest public health systems in the Southeast actually. And um, I started as a media specialist, working in media relations, doing public relations and pitching stories to the media, handling crisis communications and all of the things that fall under the umbrella of media relations. And it was great. It was a great opportunity to experience the PR side of things. But in the back of my mind, that was supposed to be an in the meantime job until my reporting job came through. Sure. So um, I stayed, I did that and that was my first job out of college. But at the same time, I was doing freelance journalism for a local cable TV show in Cartersville, Georgia, which was about an hour and 15 minutes away from where I lived. And so during the day from eight to five, I was the media specialist for Grady Health System. And then from about seven until midnight that night, I would wow. go and do my freelance reporting. One man band, I had I had the, you know, the camera, wrote the story, reported, interviewed. I did, you know, very exciting news like City council meetings <laughs> and school board meetings, and but you were getting some on. You were on camera. You were the uh, the interviewer. You were the journalist, uh, getting some camera time and exposure and experience, right? Absolutely, absolutely. It was the opportunity for me to really understand everything that went into putting together a news package. Because prior mm -hmm. to that, during undergrad for two years, I was an intern for the Fox affiliate in Atlanta, Fox 5. I see. And so I kind of lived the glamorous life when it came to <laughs> when it came to journalism because of course it was a major market, you know, uh, network show. And so right. having the the realities of being the one man band and doing everything and really working and hustling on the ground really gave me a good realistic perspective of, you know, what what that field was all about. Okay. All right, so then where did you go next? When does the Right Media Group come around? The Right Media Group came much later. So okay. between you know my initial job out of college, I stayed there for about five or six years. Um, I did the freelance journalism thing for about uh, eight months. And the company went out of business, and so that ended. And then the good thing about that experience, though, was that I had an opportunity to see what it was like in front of the camera and also on the PR side. And I actually liked the PR side better. I, I felt like PR, public relations, gave me an opportunity to kind of own the narrative a little bit more than, than the reporting side, meaning that I was able to pitch the story, find the right person, train the person for the interview, really figure out what the story would be that would be the best depiction of the organization that I worked for. And so I really started to gravitate more towards the PR side of media, which was the media relations piece. Um, and I stayed in that position for about six years, moved up a little bit, and then decided after that, I was going to go back to school and get my master's degree. And so I- Ah, okay. That's when you went to get the professional writing master's degree. Yes, yes. I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. <laughs> And so I found this wonderful program at Kennesaw State University in Kennesaw, Georgia, and it's the master's of writing um, in professional master's degree in professional writing, and it's called the MAPW, so the 
the, the letters behind my name are MAPW, and that's Master of Arts in Professional Writing. And in that program, I was able to learn how to write for various audiences, different types of writing. It just really opened my eyes and um, trained me in a lot of different aspects of writing. So I did that, and then I ended up working as a communications manager for the medical school, Morehouse School of Medicine in Atlanta. Um, I was able to really utilize that writing degree as well as the media relations. And then a few years after that, that's when the right media group came okay. into play. Yeah. And that was that your first uh, kind of on your own venture, your own business? Was that the first time? I mean, and obviously you had done some freelancing. So right. A taste of that, but this was your first business. Is that correct? This was my first business. And the reason that it started was because the position that I had at Morehouse School of Medicine was eliminated and they got rid of the communications department. We were grant funded and that grant ended. And so I was at home trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. And I had a really good opportunity to work with a pretty well known comedian um, in some media relations things that he was looking for. And I said, you know what, I need to get a business together and so I can be legit. <laughs> right. And, um, and so that's how it got started. It, it was motivated by, you know, I want to do something myself. I don't want to have to depend on other people. I want to be able to own my own and really understand what it's like to get out here and build a company and find my clients and really help my clients because I was doing these kind of things on the side just for friends who would have events and they wanted some promotion or someone that might have been doing some something and they needed me to write their bio or write a, a, a story on them you know different things I was doing on the side and then I realized well, you know what why don't I just turn this into a business because I'm doing it anyway Right. That gave you the confidence that I can do this. I know how to do this. Absolutely. Um, and I got to think, obviously, the the losing your position, like the, if I followed correctly, the second time, that was another wake-up call that I, you needed to take more control over your own destiny. Is that fair? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that was when I lost that position. That was um, actually the first time that happened. I'd never experienced layoffs before. Yeah. And um, even when the position, the freelance position went out of business, you know, it was kind of different because I, I was working already in full-time capacity. And this was something that I was doing on the side when I was the freelance mm -hmm. reporter. So when the company went out of business, it wasn't really a big deal. Mm -hmm. But in this, this time when it happened with um, the position that I was in as communications manager, you know, I was married. I had a baby on the way. My husband and I had just moved into a new house. And it was a wake up call. Like, you know what? This is really not fun. <laughs> yeah. Depending but a lot of people in that, that situation, because of what you described, because you've got life happening, don't have the finances to take that risk. So were you guys in a good financial position that you were able to make that transition? Tell me a little bit about that. We were not. We were not in a good financial position at all because um, at the time, I made more than my husband. So when I, when the position was eliminated that I had, the full-time position was eliminated, that took almost half of our income. And so the motivation for me was actually sort of the opposite of what people are afraid of. Mine was, I need to make some extra money. And so I decided to do that by starting my business and, and getting clients and doing what I knew that I could do because I had done it at that point for so many years for all these different companies and the experience that was gained at these different companies 
and the contacts and, you know, just the variety of the network that I had, was able to establish couldn't do anything but help me at this point. Yeah. And so, yeah, so I was, I was definitely motivated financially as well because we did not have the funds at that yeah. time. But, but, but you wanted this enough and you must've been on the same page with your husband that, that it wasn't, let's, let me go get another job. Right. It was actually both. <laughs> it was, let me do this. And at the same time, find another job as well. I see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But you never ended up getting that job because business took off or why? Well, no, I actually did both. I continued okay, to do both. Did. Yeah. And still do both to this day. But during that time, there was no other job. So I had that business solely um, for a little over a year before I started working again. And it was it was, it was great, actually. It was a really good experience because I did not have the pressure at the time of, you know, juggling two jobs, two positions. So I was able to, at that very critical time of starting a business, fully devote my time to starting that business mm. with no other distractions other than, of course, life. So you had this goal early on of being uh, an anchor person, you know, in front of the camera. That seems like that pivoted and shifted for you as you kind of evolved and saw where you had other abilities and strengths, or do you still dream about being in front of the camera? I still love being in front of the camera. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, you get a, a bit of that now through your summits and presentations and everything that you do. Is that right? That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. So what I do now... Um, and, and in those positions that I had in PR, you know, I would be the, the subject matter expert for certain things. So I might get quoted and every now and then I might be seen on the news or, you know, something mm -hmm. like that to tell about something that happened as the um, point of contact. But for me, the opportunity, the love that I had for media, in addition to the passion that I had for writing was the perfect combination for me. It was a perfect blend for what I did with my business. My business is called the Wright Media Group. And Wright is spelled W-R-I-T-E. So it's writing services and it's also media services. And so it was a, an opportunity for me to combine my two strengths, the things that I had grown in experience and knowledge, and turn that into something that I could use to help other people. And so, you know, the passion for the media and for the camera didn't change at all. I just channeled it a different way. And then later on, you know, I'm sure we'll discuss it, but I've also decided, you know, there is an opportunity to get back in front of the camera. Through things, like you said, the summits, I started a web, a web episode um, series where I interview entrepreneurs and, and talk to them about their journeys. And so there's still that media in front of the camera media presence that I'm able to achieve through that. Yeah, no, of course, of course. All right, so your your recent or new book is called Congratulation, It's a Brand. What led you to write this book? So it's a funny story. I actually had no intentions of writing a book. I was doing a conference in Los Angeles and I, my workshop, of course, was on branding and PR. and I did the workshop. It was a great workshop, you know, wonderful turnout. And afterwards, people were coming up to me and they were asking me all of these different questions about branding, but the questions that they were asking had nothing to do with branding. They were components of branding. It was things like, well, my logo, 
what kind of font is the best font for your logo or the colors, what colors are the best? I'm trying to rebrand. And then when they would say that they would rebrand, they were talking about changing their logo. And the questions that they were asking, although those are components of branding, they didn't really get to the essence of what branding was. And everyone seemed to be, from, from what I felt, focused on the wrong things. And so when I got, when I left, um, I caught a plane to come back to Atlanta. It's about a four and a half hour flight. And so I was gonna just do a blog and post it on social media about what is branding. So I started writing and by the time we landed, I had the first three chapters of the book. Wow. <laughs> and, and at that point, did you, did you think it's going to be a book or just multiple blog posts? Or you still wasn't sure? No, at that point, it became a book. Somewhere mid-air mid between Atlanta and Los Angeles, it turned into a book. <laughs> right. And it's not like you didn't have any experience. You had written a couple of chapters in other books. And of course, you've got the writing background and education. So you knew I've got enough here to make it a really good book. Absolutely. And I was really, really passionate about the subject matter. And I yeah. knew that I was knowledgeable of the subject matter. And really, you know, I always tell the story. I wrote that book in no time because it, it literally felt like it was all just in my head and I was transcribing it. Really? And so, you know, I knew the type of questions and, and it was all based on this outline that I had created on the plane right after this conference. And it was based on some of the majority of the questions that people were asking me during the workshop. And, and I just thought about it and I organized it and, you know, I had four and a half hours and I just started writing according to that outline and it turned into the book. Wonderful. Wonderful. All right. So let's segue with that. You know, as you said, the, the articulating you needed to articulate the essence of branding, of personal branding. So introduce that for me. What is your definition of personal branding and why is it important to me as a small business owner or a solopreneur? Let's start there. What, what is the essence of personal branding? So branding is the reputation. It's your identity. It's what people think of when they say your name or your business name. And whether that's personal branding, corporate branding, leadership branding, it's, it's your reputation. And so what I try to help people understand is that when you think about your brand, it should be unique to you. And there really is no separation between you, the brand, and you, the person, or your business brand and you, the person. It's all the same because now with social media and our totally digital world that we live in, everything you do is public. It's, it's, we just live transparent lives now. And so you have to understand that your reputation as a person, your reputation as a business, they, they are married, they align. And they should, well, let me say this, they should align. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, um, and, and so what happens with one affects the other. And that's, to me, the essence of branding is what you want people to, to feel or think or say when they hear about whatever it is you're connected to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm so glad, you know, this last part about they're intertwined, there's no separation. I'm such a big believer in that. And I find, Melva, that that's an area where small businesses, small business owners, solopreneurs get so hung up. Um, for example, I'll give you an example. My wife is in the, she has her own travel consulting business and she has friends in the business, of course. And they, they often get hung up, as I'm sure it probably might have been one of those people that came up to you at that event 
hung up on their business name or their logo or and all that. And what I tell them is that at this level, sure, sure, it'd be nice to build a brand and we do that at the same time, but it, you are the brand, right? Absolutely. You are the face of your business when we have a small business or we're a, a solo practitioner. And that's the point that you're making, right? Right. Absolutely. You are the brand. And and it, it begins with understanding your own yourself, becoming so self-aware. And when I say you, I mean, if it's if you are the personal brand, you know, you may be a travel agent, you may be a stylist, you may be an athlete, then you are the brand. But if even if you're an entrepreneur and you have a business, your business is still a part of you. That's why the book that I wrote is called Congratulations, It's a Brand. And it mm -hmm. comes from the perspective of you giving birth to this baby, which is essentially your brand. And you do all of these steps, you take all of these steps, which are similar to the pregnancy phase and the child rearing phase and all of the different steps that happen as you birth a child, because your brand ultimately is your child. And so it's a part of you, whether it's your personal brand or it's your business brand, your corporate brand, it's a part of you. There is no separation. And so you first have to understand and be self-aware. What are your unique qualities? What are your strengths? What is it that you offer that no one else can? How do you offer it differently? What are the things that really make you stand out and that makes your brand distinct? And if we think about some of the brands out there and the, and the personal brands, whether it's a person or, or a business, when you think about the ones that are the most sustainable and the most popular and lucrative, it's the ones that have something distinct about them that you can pinpoint. And so that's what I try to help people understand when they think about personal branding. Yeah. Yeah. I think where we get hung up sometimes, Melba, is that, you know, we think of a brand like Nike, for example, mm -hmm. we, we, we get confused thinking that's what we're supposed to build. And sure, eventually we might, but the reality is that Nike was built with lots of years and millions, probably billions of dollars behind it, right? Absolutely. As a small business owner, I don't have those resources. And so what I do have is who I am, my reputation, my identity, mm -hmm. as you articulated, and that's what I need to focus on, right? That's absolutely what you need to focus on. That's where you start, because really that's yeah. all you have. You know, if we, right. if we take my example, when I started my business, all I had was the experience of working with these different companies and doing what I did within those companies. And I have the degrees where I gained the educational background to do what I do. That was it. I didn't have a whole lot of money because I had just lost a job and we had our expenses and I had a family and all these different factors, but I did have this particular, very specific knowledge. And I had to figure out how do I take that knowledge and turn it into something that people need. Mm -hmm. And it turned out that it was something that people actually did need. They, they need writers. People tell me all the time, I hate writing. I can't write. I blah, 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 blah. So, you know, someone has a book in them. I've, I've ghost written several books. I've edited several books. I turned what I could offer into a business that worked for me. And some companies aren't able to offer that service. And so for me, that was distinctive. And then the other thing on the media side of it was that I had this background working in a major market network. I had this background, even if it was just for eight months of being a reporter for a little bit. So I understood what it took to make a story and all the different components that made a good story. And then also working in media relations for all those years with one of the largest companies 
out there and in, in the area that I lived in, I had a lot of media contacts. So I had to use the resources that I had and in, in the, the skills and the things that were unique and specific to me to make my business stand out and operate the way I could operate, not the way someone else was operating their business because I don't have the same skills that someone else has and they don't have the same ones that I have. And so a lot of times what I try to tell clients and people that I talk to is that you don't have to mimic what someone else is doing. All you have to do is tap into what you already have. It's there. And if you do that and you stay true to it and continue to grow and evolve and be consistent, you can grow your business. It takes time, but you can grow your business and you could possibly become the next Nike. Yeah, yeah, well said. This is Henry Lopez, and let's pause for a moment on this episode to introduce you to our new sponsor, LinkedIn Jobs. I suspect you're familiar with LinkedIn, but perhaps you've not yet used LinkedIn Jobs. Did you know that a position gets filled every eight seconds using LinkedIn Jobs? Hiring the right people is one of the best ways to help grow your business, but it shouldn't become your full-time job. And in our current labor market, it's become even harder to find the right candidates. With LinkedIn Jobs, it doesn't have to be so hard. LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates with the hard and soft skills you're looking for so you can hire the right person fast. Things like collaboration, creativity, adaptability, LinkedIn looks beyond the work skills and puts your job post in front of qualified candidates who match your business requirements perfectly. That's how LinkedIn makes sure your job post is seen by the people you want to hire, people with the skills, qualifications, and other interests that will help you grow your business and why companies rated LinkedIn Jobs the number one hiring platform for delivering quality hires. A couple of features I personally find extremely useful when using LinkedIn Jobs are the job description templates because it saves me a lot of time and the skills keyword because that's how I can really try to find the right match for the position I'm trying to fill. Find the right person for your business today with LinkedIn Jobs. You can pay what you want for the posting and you can get the first $50 off. Just visit linkedin.com forward slash how, H-O-W. Again, that's linkedin.com forward slash how to get $50 off your first job post. Or you can just text biz, B-I-Z, to 31996 and I will send you the link. Terms and conditions apply. All right. In the book, you touch on this concept of brand, the branding principle. So uh, explain that if we haven't really talked about it yet, but introduce what that means. What do you mean by the branding principle? So basically, I, I, I coined this the branding principle, but it's really the definition of branding. It's, it's what okay. we've already talked about, branding being okay. your reputation and your identity. But I thought that it was important to have that chapter specifically about that because so many people associate branding with logos and websites and business names. And so I wanted to be very specific about this is what branding is. It's a principle that you want what you put out there to align with what other people receive about you. And, yeah. and so that's what it is. Okay. And then in the book, you also talk about the seven qualities of a successful brand. We don't have time to go through all of them, but is there one or two that stand out, especially, you know, in, in light of an entrepreneur or a small business owner, what are a couple of those qualities that uh, we haven't already talked about that lead to a successful brand? I would say consistency. You have to be consistent 
um, across the board with your brand. And that means consistent in how you operate, what you promise, being consistent and making sure that you deliver on your promises, being consistent with the quality of service that you provide, whatever it is, um, being consistently active and you know we you have businesses they start out and they're going great for a couple of months and then they fall off the radar and then we don't hear from them again and then they come back oh yeah we're back so just being consistent is the best way to say stay successful the people who whose businesses sustain are the ones that keep going no matter what yeah yeah, I think that ties back to, and it, you know, you could use it interchangeably with what you said earlier about alignment. Yes. I think I find that people struggle with the consistency when they're really not in alignment with this supposed brand they're trying to put forth to the market, right? Absolutely. And, and so that's why for me, it was important to have that, that chapter on the branding principle so that people can understand if you have your foundation set, and you understand those qualities that we talked about that make you unique and, and your strengths and the resources that you have that can really get that foundation, that solid foundation, then it's easier to align that and it's easier to remain consistent because it's true to you and what you have and it's realistic. But when we, and, and we do it, we all do it, we get excited about a, a project and we, we're ready to go because we see the, the end result, we see what it could be. And so we get a little bit disappointed along the way when our beginning doesn't look like what we want the end to be. But when you're consistent through it all, then you continue to grow, you continue to develop, you add more resources, you might add more staffing, you might start to have more money coming in, more income, you're able to do more. And then you, you do, you eventually can see the fruition of that initial vision, but it takes time and it takes consistency. So I would say, you know, patience also and consistency mm -hmm. are kind of hand in hand. You've got to be patient. Yeah. Patient, discipline to stick through it longer term. Um, it's always a challenge because, you know, it's not to be confused with when it's time to pivot in your business. But I think you've seen it uh, as you're alluding to, and I have where people will give up on something before they've given it enough time to develop, to take traction and, and, and to develop that consistency. Yeah. Absolutely. And we live in a society where everything is instant. So that's becoming harder and harder to have mm -hmm. this patience during a long stretch of, or period of time, but that's not going to change with a business that even the people that we think have this overnight success, if you go back and talk to them, They've, they started a long time ago. Now, something may have happened, you know, during the course of that duration of time where it seems like it was something instant and overnight, they're now this great figure and, you know, have all this great visibility. But usually they started out a long time ago with very meager beginnings and they consistently worked and continued to press and do what they needed to do to grow their business. They had the patience. And then, yeah, one day something might just fall in their lap, but it didn't just start that way. Right. Yeah, that's what I've found as well. All right, so you, you touched on uh, the point about people not having as much um, of the attention, the, the discipline is my word, but what else have you seen over the past few years that you've been doing this that has emerged or changed or maybe doesn't work as well? You know, obviously social media comes into play um, what else, maybe, and maybe that's it, but what do you see that has changed or emerged 
that I need to start thinking about if I haven't already as a small business owner as it relates to my brand? Well, I think it's definitely the digital presence. Mm -hmm. um, okay. There are people who will come to me and we'll do a consultation or, and we'll start talking about their projects and, and they'll say, well, I don't do social media. Well, there was a time also where businesses didn't need websites. And now if you don't have a website, you're not even considered a different, a, a legitimate business. And I think that the same thing is happening with social media. If you don't have a social media presence, not saying that you have to be on every social media channel that exists, but if you don't find your audience, wherever your audience is on whichever channel, if you don't find them on that channel and have a presence, you're going to get lost. There's going to be a conversation going without you. And so it's very important that businesses invest the time in a social media presence. And it seems, it, it, well, it is, it's a full-time job. It's, it's definitely a full-time job for someone. <laughs> Usually the solopreneur um, right. has to do it themselves as well, but some type of social media presence is necessary in order to sustain your business these days. That's just the way it is. We're moving away. We're seeing it all the time where you know, the, the companies, the clothing, the retail companies that have been around for years are going out of business. They're going out of business because people aren't walking into the malls anymore. They're not walking into the stores anymore. Now you have online boutiques and people are purchasing their items online. They don't have to leave their, their house. And the same thing will, is happening across the board with all businesses. So I think that that has really changed rapidly over the past few years where before you could probably get away with not having some type of social media presence, but now and definitely in the future, it's going to be a must. Yeah, I agree with you completely, Melva. I think it's well said and very good examples. I think it's critical. I hear that all the time as well. I don't do social media and it's not that it's impossible, but you're really putting yourself at a disadvantage. Absolutely. Um, that, that reputation component, going back to that component of building a brand now, what, what people look for now is not just, especially if they don't know you, is what do others think about you? So if anything from, you know, Google reviews to testimonials, uh, whatever might apply to your business, that is more and more how people are deciding if they're going to choose you or not. That is absolutely right. And the other piece that I would add to that is the conversations that are happening on your pages on social media. You know, I always try to tell people, it's not about how many followers you have. It's about the engagement that you have under each and everything you post. You don't want to post something and have two likes and no comments. You want to have engagement and that's the way you create your social media presence. So when you have a post, a photo, something compelling, you ask a question, and then you see the comments up under and then people start tagging someone else to join the conversation. And then that person tags someone else to weigh in on the conversation. You're able to find out perceptions of your audience. What does your audience, what do they think about certain things? How can I use this information now to further my brand, to, to enhance a service, to, to add a service, you know, it's, or, to, or to take away a service, to improve something that I'm doing build on something I'm doing. So it's, it's definitely necessary to have that engagement and to have the feedback, to be aware of the feedback that you can potentially receive 
from social media. It's better than any survey that you could ever send out to your clients. <laughs> you know, it's right there. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's valuable information. And, and as you had, you just articulated again and said earlier, that conversation is happening whether you're participating or not. Absolutely. Yeah. So you, you got to be part of it. And then the point you made is critical. We've talked about this in previous episodes. Don't try to be everywhere. Identify where your ideal target audience lives, whether that's Pinterest or Facebook or LinkedIn and pick one to start with is what I always recommend. Yes, I agree. I, I, I tell people, add what you need as you need it, as you go. So same thing with a, a business that has, that thinks that they may need a staff. If you don't need a staff, then don't add a staff. Do what you can do with what you have and then add it on as you need it, as you grow and the demand increases, then add it on. That helps you to remain fiscally responsible as well. And so the same thing with social media, you don't need to be on every social media channel that exists. There's, there's too many, first of all, that's a lot of work. And so instead of being present everywhere, find where your audience is and go there and focus solely on that particular channel. And then if you start to expand and grow, it may be necessary to add another channel. You may need to start, you know, adding two or three channels, maybe, but always, do what you need to do as the need arises. Yep. Agreed. All right. So how does public relations come into play for a small business owner or a solo practitioner as it relates to, to building my brand? How, what, what role does public relations play for that level, that small business owner? Well, I think it's, it's a very vital role um, because you, you have to, just what it says, you have to be able to relate to your public. So the first thing would be, I need to know who my audience is, who is my public. And I always tell people, you know, everyone is not your target audience. There are so many times when I'll ask someone, well, who's your target audience? And they say, oh, this, this product goes to anyone. Anyone can use it. Well, anyone probably could use it, but everyone is not going to use it. So who are the people who you don't have to convince that they need your brand? Those, that's your target audience. So first identifying who is your target audience? The people that when they see this product or they hear what I have to offer, they automatically know they need it. That's your target audience. And then focus on them. And it's just like what we've talked about already. Build as you grow. So then you can start branching out to other audiences, to other people. But focus on the people who know they need you. And then your secondary audience could be those that, I don't know that I need it, but once I figure out I need it, then I like this and then I need it. That could be your second audience, but that target audience, that's where you want to start, especially when you have limited resources. You may not have the resources to go out and convince people that they need you, but if you can focus your resources on being where the people who know they need your services are, then you're, you're saving money and you're already building your audience. And so I think that public relations helps you to think in terms of that perspective Give me an, some example of what we're talking about here for a small business owner. I mean, I, I think I can give some examples, but what, what are we talking? What are the activities that we're talking about that you classify under public relations? Because it's, you know, we've got advertising and marketing and it's, it's, a, it's under marketing perhaps, obviously, but it's not a paid ad. It's not an ad that I'm putting online or in a publication. What are some of these activities that small business owners should be 
planning for under this category of public relations? So I think when I think of public relations, I, I think of a lot of things and it could apply, any of these things can apply to a particular business owner or entrepreneur. So there is the marketing piece and marketing does not have to be this great corporate marketing strategy that we sometimes think about. Marketing is simply being where your audience is like we just talked about. And so if, if you're a, a designer, you know, you might be a designer of women's clothing. So who's, who are the women that would wear your clothes and where are they? So does that mean that you might need to start going to pop up, pop up at different places that these women are? If it's a average person who, average woman, maybe a stay at home mom that has play dates at the park, then doing a pop-up shop at the park. You know, that's a huge stereotype, but you know, it's just, just thinking in terms of knowing where you're, your target audience is. You also need to make sure that under public relations, you need to make sure that the messages that you have make sense to your audience. And what I mean by that is, I can give you an example. When I worked in the health system, we created brochures for seniors in the African-American community. And um, it was about diabetes prevention. And so the company that we used to create the, the, the content for this, um, they used very heavy, um, medical jargon and they uh, used words like hypertension and um, diabetes and uh, you know all these different medical terms that I can't think of right now <laughs> but that audience is not going to understand that not saying that they're ignorant but that's just not the language used for this particular audience that we were trying to to um, reach so sure. we had to use terms that they use so that means for diabetes, well, most seniors that age at that time, instead of saying diabetes, they call it sugar. And so it's being able to relate. So when we put diabetes in parentheses, we put also known as sugar. Mm. And it's little things like messaging, creating the messages and, and the content so that your audience really understands what it is you're trying to do. Yeah. And, and that means that you have to also know your audience. And so, you know, public relations also involves doing some research and finding out who your audience, what your audience likes, what they do, where they are, what they listen to. So if I wrote a book for entrepreneurs, I need to know most entrepreneurs are between this age. Um, most entrepreneurs in this area go to these type of events. These are the things that they like to hear about. You know, just really understanding who your audience is. And it doesn't require you to have any type of marketing degree. It's just really doing the research that can happen just over simple internet clicks. Yeah, beginning. Yeah. And then that, that helps you with deciding, you know, what events to participate in, what don't make as much sense and, and prioritize your, your time as well as your budget around that. Absolutely. Yeah. Rather than going to just every festival that's out there. Exactly. Everybody who invites you, right? <laughs> right. Uh, Does this, and will my audience be there? And if not, yeah, then you don't need to spend, waste the resources to go. Along those lines, what are some other common mistakes, Melva, that you see people make with going back now at the higher level, at the brand level, mm -hmm. with building their personal brand? What are some other common mistakes that you see? I, I see people jumping in without doing the proper research. That's the biggest thing that I, I've had to counter when I get new clients is they've already started. They've already, you know, like I said, they're really focused on websites and business names and logos and fonts and colors. And 
And then because they have those pieces in place, because that's easy to create, right? There's yeah. so many different design websites out here that'll do all that stuff for you in a matter of hours. And so because they have those elements in place, they jump into the business without thinking about the strategy and some of the things that we've talked about from the public relations side. And then when it gets frustrating because nothing's happening because they haven't really done that strategy, then they quit. So then that becomes the issue with consistency. And so my recommendation is always start first with your plan. Really think about short, medium, and long-term goals that you have and what it takes to achieve those goals. Then you can start tailoring things around that plan. So for instance, if you are an author, you write a book, but yet you don't have enough product and you go to a festival and after five or six people purchase your book, you don't have anything else to offer them because you run out of books because you didn't do the proper research, then that's a wasted event. That's a, another wasted opportunity. And so really making sure that you have the, the supply to meet the demand. Mm -hmm. I would, but, but that research initially though, as it relates to the brand is, I think at the heart of it is what you've been talking about, which is identifying that target, which is marketing 101. You know, who is my target customer? Absolutely. Target client and everything then evolves from there, right? Absolutely. You have to know, you have to know who you're talking to. And then you're combining that as you've talked about with what are your unique abilities? What are your experiences or skills that you can bring to bear for that particular target market? Absolutely. Yes. And, and I would also say that it's important to not only know your target audience, but know yourself. You have to know yourself. You have to know, like, like we've said, you know, several times already, you have to know what you have to offer and how that offering is going to affect your audience. And when you figure that out, it's easier for you to sell your product anyway, or your yourself, you know, if you're a yeah, personal I mean, brand. I mean, that goes back to the alignment thing, right? I mean, that now, now it's, it's, it's congruent and so you're, you're not trying to be something that you're not or sell something that you really don't have the expertise necessarily. And maybe expertise is not the right word because none of us have a lot of expertise when we first start, but you don't have that skill set or ability or even the passion for that particular thing. You know? Yes. Uh, that comes through. Um, all right. So summarize for me, we've touched on it, but summarize for me, Melba, the, the services that you currently offer through your business and your primary business now is the right media group. Is that correct? Yes. So I have the right media group. It's a, it's a writing services and media relations firm. We can say PR um, <laughs> because it, it involves all, all of that involves PR. And, mm -hmm. and the basis for what I do is helping people build a strategy, a realistic strategy through my expertise in branding and communications to help them develop a realistic strategy to achieve their goals. Mm -hmm. And who's an ideal client for you? Ideal clients for me are any type of entrepreneur, anyone that's got a vision, they don't know how to necessarily get started or they've gotten started and they want to take it to the next level, maybe do an assessment and kind of see where they need to go from there. Um, I also do leadership coaching. So people who are leading their teams, really understanding what it is that it takes to keep your team motivated and relate to them because all of it is about a relationship. All of this at the end of the day is a relationship between either you and your audience, you and your team, 
um, really you and yourself. <laughs> and so what we talk about is different aspects that will help you to be your best self and, and be able to motivate and get the most out of what you have. All right. And I know that uh, you're offering a, a free consultation for our listeners, right? Yes. Yes. Anyone that is interested, um, I have a website, the right media group, grp.com. Um, and you can go to the website, send me an email. I would love to have an introductory conversation. It's about a 30 minute talk about what it is that your goals are and, and how we can work together to help you achieve those goals and, and just some strategies, some very basic strategies, even if it's not something that we move into a, a you know, relationship with, but even some strategies to help you at least move in the right direction. Okay, great. Thanks. Thanks for offering that. And again, I, I go to the website and I, I can find a link there to schedule the call. Is that right? Yes, there's a website. Uh, I'm sorry, there's an email address on the website and you can just click the email address in an email and just say that um, you heard about me on the show and you want to schedule a consultation. And Wonderful. I will be back in touch with you ASAP. And we'll have a link to that on the show notes page for this episode at thehowabusiness.com. Um, all right. So your book again is called, as we've been talking about, uh, congratulation, it's a brand, the entrepreneur's guide to birthing the brand, identifying the target audience and increasing visibility. We'll have a link to that on the show notes page as well. But I'm also looking for other book recommendations. Is there another book that you've read that you would recommend? Absolutely. One thing that we didn't discuss was um, creativity. Specifically, we talked about being unique, but really tapping into your creativity and, and ways to um, use that those creative aspects to make your brand distinctive. And so one book that I really enjoyed is called Thinker Toys. And it's just a, a re really good book about ways to look at things differently and find creative and unique aspects out of any and everything that you do. And so it's called Thinker Toys. Michael Michalko is the um, author. And it's a really good book. I definitely recommend that book. I, yeah, I, I love that book. I, it's never been recommended in uh, 280 or so guests. So, <laughs> um, I have it on my shelf and, and I use it as a kind of as a reference guide for creativity ideas or exercises. I think it's a great book. Yes, it, 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 it really is an exercise in thinking outside of the box. Mm -hmm. And um, anytime someone asks me about a book, I always recommend that one because it just, I read it because it was required for a class and I actually ah. loved it. I was going to ask you how you came to it because it's, it's rather obscure and um, not a lot of people have even heard of it. Yeah, it, it was recommended for a class. I'm currently pursuing my doctoral degree in strategic leadership. And in one of the courses, that was the book. And so when I got it, I read it and I was like, no, this is not your typical textbook. Agreed. <laughs> All right, good. Uh, uh, is there another book or is that the book you wanted to recommend? Well, yeah. So the other book that I also love is um, strength-based leadership. And this kind of goes along with what we discussed earlier about really understanding what resources you have within yourself and your strengths that um, you can use to get started and to enhance what you're doing with your brand. And so it's called strength-based leadership. It's, it's kind of um, piggybacking off of the, the Strength Finder, the Clifton Strength Finder assessment, which I recommend everyone and anyone do. It's really eye-opening and it gives you a lot of great insight into yourself. Um, and it's a it's a free assessment, but this 
book actually talks a little bit more in depth about some of, of those principles of the strength finder. Yeah. Another great recommendation. Thanks for those. We'll have links to those on the show notes page, as well as Melva's book, uh, time management tips or techniques. I'm starting to ask people if there's one thing, I don't care how small it is that you've used this past year that has helped you with managing your time. Yes. I write everything down. Literally write. <laughs> I have. So do you a, mean like like in a journal form, or what do you mean by write everything? Yeah, down? I I write. I have a to do list. I have an agenda. Okay. And I every day I have a to do list. I put things on the to do list. Even if I've already done it, I put it on the to do list and check it off if it's something I've already done. And I just go through my day and think about all of the different things, no matter what it is, whether it's personal or professional, and I write them down so that I can see everything that I have to do. Because a lot of times we're doing things and we don't realize exactly how much we have going on. And so it's easy to forget. And I go through that agenda and every day I check it off. And I, I like to write and then check it off. It's something gratifying yeah. about checking something off of your list. Yeah, so do I. So do I. I like to physically, so I have a, a you know, kind of a looks like a journal book, but I physically write it down, pen on paper. Yeah, me too. And I know that we live in a digital age and there are many people that don't do that. And so if you don't do that, I still recommend that you keep notes, whether it's in the notes section of your phone, or if you use your calendar on your phone or in your email, um, just make sure that it's somewhere visible, Vis a visual reference that you can have to see what you have to do that day. It just helps you stay on track. Yeah. Great tip. Thanks for that. All right. We'll wrap it up, Melba. Last two questions here. What's one thing you want us to take away from this conversation we've had about building a personal brand? I would say just remember that there is no separation in between you and your brand and understanding that really think about your strategies to make your brand unique to you. That's how you become distinctive among the many other things that are out there that be that are similar and offer that are similar um, to your businesses. When you really tap into your unique strength and understanding what you have to offer, it becomes distinctive and people cannot duplicate it. You know, so if you think about a room full of boys and girls, you have a room full of boys and girls, but everyone in there is different. Everyone has a different name. They have a different hairstyle. They have different clothes. Some people have glasses. Some people don't. Some people have certain types of shoes. And as distinctive as they are, your brand can also be that distinctive in a room full of other similar services. And so really understanding who you are, what your strengths are, what your capabilities are, and using those is the best way to make your brand sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. And I think that also then manifests itself with not getting hung up on your logo and your name, your business name, at least until you've got all these fundamentals down first. Yeah. Absolutely. The logo, the business name, the colors, the website design, all of those things, the photo shoots, if people will come to me and they've already done photo shoots, they don't <laughs> even have a business. Right. <laughs> so all of those things, yes, they are, necessary at, at some point, but that's not what you need initially. So yeah. really focusing on these things that we've talked about as your foundation and creating that solid foundation is that's the key to having a successful and sustainable business. Great stuff. 
Melva, tell us again where you want us to go online to find out more. To find out more, you can visit www.thewritemediagrp.com, and that's the right media grp.com. Right is spelled W-R-I-T-E. Wonderful. And we'll have a link for that as well on the show notes page. If you didn't get a chance to, to write that down, W-R-I-T-E. Well, <laughs> <laughs> so, this has been a great conversation. Very insightful. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for the tips and techniques and, and for taking the time to be on the show today. Thank you. I have enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. This is Henry Lopez, and thanks for listening to this episode of The How of Business. My guest today, again, was uh, Melva Robertson. We release new episodes every Monday morning, and you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at our website, thehowofbusiness.com. You can also just text the word biz, B-I-Z, to 31996, and I'll send you the link. Thanks again for listening. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.